the style of service that we try to deliver, which is a, a slightly more relaxed, friendly service, actually goes quite well with the British psyche. Whereas perhaps, you know, the, the more formal, uh, highly skilled specialist style of service of yesteryear uh, perhaps was, was much more in tune with, with countries that had very strong craft values like Italy and France and, and, and so on. That was Robin Hudson, chairman of the Pig Hotels, explaining to me how a more casual approach to service in his group of boutique hotels naturally aligns with the attitudes and diversity of the British psyche. I'm Carla Bazashi, CEO of WGSN, and you're listening to Create Tomorrow, the WGSN podcast. This week, I'm joined by travel trailblazer Robin Hudson, OBE, chairman of the Pig Hotels, sustainability champion, and officially the UK's second most powerful hotelier. This interview was a personal favourite for me, as I'm a huge fan of Robin's and a regular at the Pig restaurant with rooms that's just down the road from where I live. If you've been lucky enough to visit any of his destinations that dot the south of England, you'll know that these boutique retreats are famous for their amazing food and gorgeous interiors. But there's a lot more to their success than what they look like. Robin was a delight to speak to, and there's something for every creative who's passionate about the environment, community and making a difference in what Robin had to tell me. Robin, there, there are so many topics that I want to cram into this uh, this conversation, um, but let's start. Let's let's start. You know, right at the top for people or, or listeners to this podcast who perhaps haven't heard of the Pig, haven't been lucky enough to visit one of your amazing uh, restaurant with rooms, as you humbly describe them. Can you tell us a little bit about the ethos behind them and how they they came and started from this kind of small little boutique hotel uh, in the depths of the New Forest, just down the road from where I live, to now eight hotels, two books, festivals, uh, and so much more. How did it start and what was the kind of drive behind creating The Pig? I think really you have to cast your mind back just a little bit to um, perhaps the previous heyday of country house hotels, which was back in the 1980s and 90s. And then rather a lot of them um, came to a uh, an untimely end. Um, uh, and I think uh, that was because um, the mood was changing amongst the travelling and dining public uh, into a much more casual, relaxed sort of environment, whereas the country house hotels of the day were still rather formal, rather grand places, uh, and perhaps they were out of sync with um, with what was actually happening on 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 the high streets, if you if you like. So um, when I first saw what it, uh, Whitley Ridge Hotel, as it was then called, um, uh, back in in two thousand and ten. Um, uh, I uh, I was looking around uh, around it and sort of distinctly unimpressed. Really, it was it was it was quite tatty. It um, it had sixteen bedrooms, but it had some stable yard rooms that were under uh, n- uh, not developed and and uh, were not in sort of operation. But it had a kitchen garden, and the kitchen garden um, was supporting three carrots and some weeds at the time. Um, but um, I did think. You know what? There, there could be something in this to really bring this to the fore. I mean, it's hardly um, earth-shattering, really, when you think about it, because country, 
country houses often had kitchen gardens to to support them, but in, in perhaps in the interim period since they were private houses, uh, the kitchen gardens have sometimes been forgotten, um, and uh, and the emphasis hasn't been put upon them. So we decided to put the emphasis on the kitchen garden to try to deformalize what we were doing, make it relax, make it fun. Um, the, I'm sure you're going to ask me, how did you come up with the name of the pig? Everyone does. Uh, well, I'm going to have to, I actually know the answer to this, but only that's because I've read your first book. I haven't read the second, but I know the answer to this. But yes, when I said to people that I was speaking to you today, lots of people, many of whom have visited many of the uh, the pigs, did say, why did they call it that? But it's become, well, it's, it's easy to remember, right? But, but tell everyone how you came up with it. I mean, it's quite simply, um, we wanted to bring, as I say, we wanted to bring the kitchen garden to the fore. So we wanted to give it a kind of agricultural connotation, I suppose. Um, but more importantly than that, um, at the time, every country house hotel was uh, had a rather grand name. So it was the something-something lawn, the something-something manor, the castle, the, etc. And I think that was part of the reason that uh, sometimes um, uh, potential guests were rather intimidated by by, by these sort of rather grand titles. Um, and we, we came up with the name of the pig and we thought, well, if it sounds a bit like a pub, then all well and good because because people aren't scared to go into pubs where they probably are into the something something manor hotel so so yeah so that was that was really the reason it's it's um it, it it's uh, it's not uh, it doesn't sound particularly earth-shattering these days but at the time and of course there are now lots of hotels that name themselves after um animals and birds yes, and I was different things say, the <laughs> farmyard is now the inspiration when it comes to branding <laughs> But uh, at the time, of course, we, we we were on our own in 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 that space. I do think what's amazing and so admirable is how you have been pioneers in so many areas, and that idea of casual dining we now see everywhere. But I will say, and you know, hand on heart, it's one of the few places where I can turn up, and I frequently do, a bit sweaty and covered in mud because I've cycled there. But then I can also get very dressed up in, you know, red lipstick, high heels and, you know, a slinky dress. And nobody looks at you any differently either way. And I think there's something very unique about that, that, you know, you can do super casual, but it's also still a special occasion place. And I mean, how have you created that? It's so unique. First of all, we we love the idea of mud wrestlers and catwalk models sitting next to each other in, 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 in the restaurant. But... Um, no, I mean, I, I, you know, I think, I think there traditionally there has been a formality about service and about um, the way uh, hotel staff have treated and reacted to to guests, and in in the sticks where we operate, you tend not to get hardened professional hotel trained staff and restaurateurs. So what you are often working with, particularly with the the kids on the floor, as it were, um, are bright youngsters that are on their way to university, on their way back from university, working in the holidays, that sort of thing. And actually, um, you know, they're super intelligent, um, they're bright and bushy-tailed, and, uh, uh, you know, you can uh, you can actually work with that to create a, a, a very relaxed style of service. The trick, of course, is to make sure it's halfway efficient and um, well-trained uh, as well. But, but um, 
you know, they don't need to know how to fillet 20 different fish at the side of the table. They need to be friendly and, uh, and, and actually they know they need to know their product. Yes. Um, but they need to be people, people. And, you know, to be honest, it, it, it comes down to not much more than, you know, nice people give nice service. So let's actually, I, I'm going to, I was going to come up with another question, but I'm just going to stick with that for a second. So um, as mentioned, I, I live in the New Forest. And um, as someone who grew up in the countryside, not in the New Forest, I do know how long it can take for villages and local communities to accept you. Uh, and we have a pub down the road, which shall remain nameless. Um, and uh, it got to, we've stopped going now because we would go every weekend. And every weekend I would say, can I have a bottle of the Côte de Provence Rosé? And every weekend, the same person would say to me, oh, we don't have any Provence Rosé. I was like, no, I, I know you do because I ordered it last weekend. No, we don't. It's this number on the menu. Oh, oh, right. Oh, yes, we do. I'll go and check. I don't think we've got any in stock. And you just thought, but I'm here all the time and there was no recognition. Whereas when I go into the pig, well, they know exactly who I am. And that might be because you've got a very clever system which recognise my name. I don't really care. It makes me feel good if I go in there. Now, you, your, your pigs are destinations, but you've clearly done a lot of work to make sure the local community also embraces that. And again, that might now seem like something, you know, it's in, it's in the checkbook, in the guidebook, if you're, if you're opening a local community. But I think it was quite unique when you were starting uh, with this venture as well. Was that deliberate? Did you realise you were going to need to get the kind of locals on side or has it just been a great byproduct because it means they're eating in your restaurants even if they're not staying in your rooms? I think it's all of those things. We were always conscious that uh, in in the countryside, you know, the communities are, um, uh, you know, they're probably wary of of uh, some uh, newcomers and certainly new activities in the in, in the area. I wasn't really a newcomer to the New Forest. I've been kicking around in in hospitality down here for. For, for a good number of years. But nevertheless, um, you know, it can be down to how you treat your absolute immediate neighbours during the construction period of a hotel. Um, you know, we're, we're forever looking for opportunities to, to um, treat and surprise our neighbours. So whether it's we take them a box of eggs because we've got a lot, a lot of eggs that day or in lockdown we were taking around um, vegetable boxes to them and that sort of thing, inviting them to our festivals, um, you know, so that they're, they're not, they're enthusiastic about the festivals rather than being disturbed by them. Um, uh, so all of that, plus I think within within the countryside, I mean, in, in any community, you never really know who anyone is. So... Um, you know, we always talk about treating the, you know, the, the the refuse guy as well as the guy that turns up at the front door in the Bentley, because you know the refuse guy might be, you know, might be the son of the guy in the Bentley for all I know. Um, <laughs> but he, he, apart from being, you know, we like to try to be kind and considerate uh, employers and uh, and partners with 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 people that we deal with. Um, uh, there is there is absolutely no reason why anyone within our team um, should uh, treat um, any person we come into contact with 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 anything less than than you know respect and, and care really. So so you know that's just part of the ethos. I'm Carla Bazashi, CEO of WGSN, and you're listening to Create Tomorrow. I'm talking with Robin Hudson, Chairman of the Pig Hotels. 
Our conversation continued on the topic of local, and I wanted to find out just how easy it was to maintain their commitment to 25-mile menus, where all of their ingredients are sourced from suppliers, you guessed it, within a 25-mile radius. Let's stick on the kind of topic of local. So uh, also pioneers in the idea of the 25-mile menu, by which pretty much everything you source for, for your menus is coming really, really close to the different uh, different hotels. That was new. How difficult has it been to, to police that, to implement it? Um, and, you know, is it a problem when it comes to consistency or do you have kind of gaps in seasons or is it actually, I mean, it's clearly been, it's still a calling card. It's still all over your kind of marketing collateral. Um, presumably that was there right from the start as well. Yeah, I mean, we actually, when we started, we tried to do it in 15 miles, but that really didn't work. It was just a little too too ambitious. And and, um, and some areas are easier than others. So, for instance, uh, the pig near Bath, which is somewhat landlocked um, uh, south of Bristol and, and Bath, um, uh, it, it's impossible to buy fish from within 25 miles. And we've tried. You know, there are no day boats in the Bristol Channel and so on and so forth. Mm. So we, we, we have to go a little further afield. But I think if you, if you start with the intent, um, actually the, the head chefs who are responsible for a lot of that sourcing, um, they, um, uh, they get quite a kick out of finding you know the the new artisan um producer supplier creator uh, of of different foodstuffs and of course now we we also um are have been champions of the english wine scene for for um a, a long time we started suppressing champagne in favor of english sparkling wine back in 2014 and whilst everyone is now sort of on the bandwagon with that um you know we've we've sold tens of thousands of bottles and 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 you know our are good friends with the with with the with the English wine scene. You're you're the reason that on the you know sometimes when I get to travel in a in a nice class of uh, airline that when I get on I say can I have a glass of Hambledon rather than a glass of champagne and you know you're literally the only person. But it's also really clever because then they have to open a bottle, which means basically you've got that for the entire flight. <laughs> yes, you have definitely turned my taste buds that way. <laughs> well, I just think you know I mean the, the, there's no doubt that the product is absolutely on par uh, with with uh, with champagne and and if we feel that we can be supporting um you know great enterprise in this country at the same time as as serving great products then uh, why would you why would you do anything else really i mean it's um it's something that we get a kick out of really and and as i say the chefs and the the wine team are always coming to us with you know have you tried this look what i found the other day you know and so on and so forth so it becomes uh, and it becomes quite competitive, even between between our own hotels. You know, wh- wh- who's got what, as it were, and what the latest. Because all, the, all the lists are pretty much different, right? It's not a this is this is the pig yeah. wine menu, and you're going to have that in any 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 of the ones that you might turn up at. No, I'm a great believer that if you want really serious people to cook in your kitchens and to uh, look after your wines or and look after your bars, then you need to give them some autonomy. So we, of course, we have some some constraints around it. So um, uh, and some some ideals behind it, um, but um, but there is a there's a lot of freedom for them to build their own list, something that they're proud of, and something that 
um, that that they can they can enthuse about to the to the customer. Um, we talk about you know the price points and the number of references and and the broad makeup, and we have one or two preferred um, wine merchants and so on. But but with but outside of that, that is up to them really to 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 discover and and I love it when they 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 sort of build their own areas of speciality. Actually, you're very personally passionate about wine, aren't you? And I was loving reading uh, in the book about you know, pairing amazing wines, but with very kind of normal food. So beans on toast with a particularly beautiful wine. Now, I'm not going to be able to remember any of them. Are there any you could give to listeners that they should go out and think about next time they're making just a humble sandwich or something? Well, I think, you know, I mean, everyone has uh, perhaps a different uh, price comfort point when they're they're buying wine. And for some people, a special bottle of wine will be, you know, a, a a twenty pounds bottle of wine, and for some people, it'll be a two hundred pound bottle of wine. So, it's um, uh, you know, I think there are there are there are moments to to um, to to push the the boat as far as your particular boat will go. Um, but certainly, in in our household, um, uh, if we're we don't spend very much time in our house, we're always out and about, and we're in the hotels, and 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 uh, you know, we we travel around quite a lot. Um, but if we are at home on the Saturday evening, then I, we, we usually have, we go and buy butcher's sausages, the best, we, the best we can find locally. And we're always on the search for the latest, uh, you know, perfect sausage um, uh, and some salad. And we, we put our feet up in front of the television. And then I go and open something completely outrageous with it. And um, I mean, I love things like top Californian Cabernet and, and, and so on. Um, and um, so, yeah, sausage and, and mustard with top Californian cabernet with a feet up in front of the box is my idea of uh, bliss. That's a Saturday night with the Hudsons. I love Absolutely. that. Absolutely. This is Create Tomorrow, the WGSN podcast. You're listening to a conversation between myself and chairman of the Pig Hotels, Robin Hudson. For anyone who has visited one in Robin's hotels, you will, I'm sure, be struck by the attention to detail in the interiors of the buildings. I wanted to understand what it took to create the iconic interiors and how the husband and wife team of Robin and his partner Judy worked together on the designs. Now, while we're on the Hudson's, uh, let's talk about the design of the hotels, um, which pretty much all done by your wife yeah we i mean we 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 sort of do it together um yes judy absolutely does the lion's share of it and particularly you know the colors the fabrics the furnishings and and that sort of thing when it comes to the projects i i tend to do the um the hard finishes and the the bathrooms and that sort of thing so we, we we work together and then we spend our lives collecting um tat from antique shops that we think will will look good in the hotels again but kind of the impact that you've had much wider than just the hotels in terms of how people accessorize their homes and obviously we're going through this real interesting time when it comes to home interiors because everyone has spent so much more time at home and the kind of changing consumer spending habits as a consequence and there is something again very accessible but very aspirational about the pig interiors, which is this beautiful mix of the kind of antiques and things like that, and how it's all put together. Which is always one of those ones that looks very easy, but is 
that can be quite hard uh, to recreate. So what's the, what's the secret in there? <laughs> what can people take from that that they can put in their own homes? Well, I think, honestly, um, we buy things we like um, and and then we, we try to put them together. Obviously, when you're... When you are putting together a hotel, you have the luxury of buying lots of bits and pieces that you don't necessarily know where they're all going at the moment you buy them. Uh, but I suppose you buy them with the same set of eyes. Um, you know, so we, I don't know, we, we, for, a, for a new hotel, we might buy 30 desk mirrors from all sorts of places up and down the country or wherever. Um but they will all conform to some sort of um, style uh, that Judy and I have, uh, you know, kind of worked up together, I suppose. We don't really talk about it too much, but um, but I suppose our, our taste has morphed into, into one and we can, you know, each of us can choose a piece of furniture or an item and the other will almost certainly uh, agree that that's the that's the right uh, the right thing or, or if not there are so many other that you always bought that they can hide yeah, and we can, something. You know, <laughs> there are a few items at the back of the storerooms that that you know we've brought out for successive projects and we think no nah, it's going <laughs> back you know i don't know why we just don't get rid of them frankly but um, but um, yeah they don't they don't make the cut on successive uh, uh, occasions but i think the other part of, uh, of of using antiques, of course, it's the ultimate sustainability upcycling uh, story anyway. So it completely fits with with what we're doing elsewhere in the business, be it in the gardens or food or whatever. So, so I think you know what we now try to do, not just on 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 interiors, but every decision we make in in the business, we are asking ourselves. Uh, is there some sort of sustainable uh, aspect to this that we could do better, or, 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 or you know, or, or so it informs it informs our, our decision making quite a lot. It's, I mean, it's the question that we get asked most from our client base, no matter what industry, whether it's hospitality, fashion, beauty, interiors. How can they be more sustainable? And sustainability is obviously such a huge, broad church in terms of all the different aspects of it. It was interesting, you sort of said you're trying to do, you're sort of trying to do it everywhere, um, which is a difficult thing to do, right? You know, we'd normally advise, like, just concentrate in one area and then move from that. But it's is it that kind of incremental gains that you're going after? Yeah, and I think, you know, we certainly feel that, you know, some sort of sustainable utopia, uh, you know, that surrounding our business is a really difficult thing to ultimately achieve because... You know, you do one thing and it has a knock-on effect with something else. But um, for instance, I mean, you, you mentioned our second book. Um, we The first book, um, we didn't really kind of know what we were doing uh, at all. Uh, this was th- three years ago. And so it was published by Octopus and um, they uh, they advised us you know on on where it should be printed and and created and so on so so of course it was printed in china and as most books are um and when it came to the second book you know we started talking about this and i really it always niggled me that the bloody book was printed in china you know and and i worked out that you know, I don't know how many ton fifteen thousand books you know equate to, but whatever the tonnage, um, it was 
you know, it had traveled traveled ten thousand kilometers or something, you know, to, to, right. to this 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 tonnage, and 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 it was so against what we stand for and everything else we we do. So, so this time we self published, and the uh, the paper comes is made in Scotland from uh, sustainable uh, sources, and it was printed in Sussex, and um, I'm really proud and happy about that because it just feels that it's so much it, it, it sits with 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 our ethos and uh, you know we saved 10,000 10, kilometers of fuel and uh, activity surrounding that 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 one small item uh, heavy item um, you know that um, that was really um, uh, that felt really good to, to 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 have achieved. So that's one ju- just tiny decision that actually uh, we made. And and uh, you know we do lots of other things that are terrible, and I'm sure. Um, but you know you just have to keep trying. I think. You're listening to my conversation with the Pick Hotels Chairman Robin Hudson on Create Tomorrow, the WGSN podcast. In April of this year, the hotel chain had a large round of investment. So I want to know what the near future held for the company and whether we should be expecting a lot more pigs on the horizon soon. Now, um, you're talking to a person who runs a trend forecasting company and we're always looking into what's next. You've just had a big round of investment uh, and lots of the headlines that went alongside that were about the idea that there would be more pigs coming um, what can you tell us on the future? What, what's the future for the pig group? Well, we um, yeah, we've taken taken uh, some new investment from um, actually a, a, an American um, uh, specialist uh, fund uh, that uh, that invests in leisure and hospitality businesses, really great businesses throughout the world. So we're we're proud to be part of that. Um, they have. Um, uh, helped us forge a plan that um, will enable us to open, we think, around five hotels in the next five years. So, our, which has been our current run rate over the last three years. We've done about one hotel a year, although we, we don't have anything in the pipeline uh, that we're working on just yet. But we have three that we're literally about to sign off on um i was i was up in warwickshire just now and um very excited about a a a kind of derelict farm that we found up there and um so that may well come into play along with a couple of other fab um properties so you know there, there are there's no shortage of of beautiful buildings in in this country of ours and um so we will we will continue as long as it seems appropriate and and fun. And what about for the rest of the hospitality industry? It's obviously been an extremely difficult couple of years. You certainly became the kind of champion and spokesperson for the hospitality industry in the UK, but it's obviously affected hospi- hospitality around you know the entire globe. Are you hopeful for the industry? It's still very hard for people starting out. You know the the kind of success rate certainly for restaurants is very very low. What, what do you think that, you know, fellow individuals or companies within the industry are going to need to be obsessive about in the way you are to be successful in future years? You know, it has been super hard for many in the past couple of years. And I think for those businesses that were perhaps on less than substantial footings and perhaps were 
already struggling a little bit before the pandemic, you know, it was the final nail in the coffin for, 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 for some of those, sadly. I suppose market forces dictate that there is an element of the survival of the fittest within every every area of business, and I don't think it's any different in, in hospitality. We have certainly endured, notwithstanding the, the, the pandemic, a bit of a perfect storm over the past few years. Brexit dealt a heavy blow to, to, to hospitality, as it did with other sectors in the form of the constriction of the labour market. And uh, certainly, whilst we happen to employ lots of Brits in our 1200 strong work- workforce, there are many within hospitality that were reliant on the Eastern Europeans and Europeans in general, in fact. So that's a real tough one. And we, we still don't know really how that's going to pan out. There's certainly a lack of experience within the recruitment market at the moment is really is is tough to find people with five years experience in area, any area of the business. So that's a real headwind. So the skill shortage, I think, is something that we're certainly going to have to come to terms with. And lots and lots of people are working really hard to 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 uh, to address that. I'm not sure we we value craft very highly in this country, and uh, and I think until we we do. Uh, that will always be challenging. As, as far as hospitality in in general goes, you know, I think, you know, we have some of the best examples uh, of of every level, type, style of hospitality and food and restaurants and pubs and bars of anywhere on the globe. You know, I think much of it is to do with our rich heritage of multicultural nation, and and you know, we're very good at doing a lot of that stuff. And I think the current sort of period, the style of service that we try to deliver, which is a, a slightly more relaxed, friendly service, actually goes quite well with the British psyche. Whereas perhaps, you know, the, the more formal, uh, highly skilled specialist uh, style of service of yesteryear uh, perhaps was, was much more in tune with with countries that had very strong craft values, like Italy and France and, and, and so on. So I think, you know, it's kind of uh, slightly playing into our hands at the moment to be a world leader in, in hospitality. And, and part of what I've been banging on about for the last couple of years is to try to convince the politicians that we're an industry that this country should be super proud of. Now, just to end, Robin, because we are totally out of time, um, Best discovery of the last year can be food, wine, destination. I'm very keen um, fly fisherman, and I've discovered in recent years um, saltwater fly fishing. And I was lucky enough to go to the Seychelles to an, an island called Alphonse, which I just adored, and I can't wait to get back there for all sorts of reasons. But the fishing was epic. Um, on a more localized level. Um, my very good friend uh, Nick Jones, who runs Soho House, um, uh, he and I went for supper the other the other day in Charlotte Street in London to a little restaurant that is Nuno Mendes' uh, new restaurant. It's called Lizabetta. Uh, maybe you don't pronounce it exactly like that, but anyway, it's it's uh, a Port- Port- Portuguese Elizabeth, I guess. Um, anyway, fabulous restaurant and really loved it. Right, it's going on the list. I'm back in London next week. So thank you very much. Robin, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Thank 
Thank you so much to Robin. I'm very much looking forward to seeing new properties opening up soon. I'd also like to thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, then please subscribe to the show, which is available on all major podcast platforms. And if you really like what you heard, then please leave us a rating and review. It definitely helps us get the word out there. If you're interested in what we've been talking about today, then please head over to wgsn.com to find out how you can access our services where we're constantly publishing new content around how we can design a brighter, better future for our industries. These include food and drink, beauty, interiors, fashion and consumer tech. Thanks again to my guests, Robin, and I'd also like to thank our podcast producers, Roland Bodenham and Bethan Ryder. And thank you again for listening. Thank you.